Hey, self-care, self-love, that's sure having its moment, but what is it really? Today, we're going to break down some myths, and we're going to talk about starting rituals that get us to the deep kind of self-care, the stuff that really shifts our lives. This is the Rose Woman Podcast, provocations for living whole, happy, and free from birth to 100. I'm Christine Marie Mason, your host, founder, author, lover, yogi, all that stuff, but mostly someone who's interested in spreading freedom, fearlessness, and love in the world. And today, I'm going to share with you good science-y stuff, as usual, philosophy stuff, as usual, but also some of my own personal rituals. I want to offer up some tools that I use every day that bring me joy, happiness, and inner peace. So stick around for that. I want you to imagine a world where all women, where we revel in our bodies from birth to 100, where we are free of any kind of shame and where our private and our public lives grew from feeling deeply worthy, happy, and free. How would that feel? How might the world be different? Yeah, self-care and self-love get tossed around a lot. I like turning the noun self-love into a verb. Because I love myself, I, or if I love myself, I, and the fill in the blank is rarely would take a bubble bath, although there's nothing wrong with bubble baths. I love them. They're a great form of self-care on the body. Usually it would be, if I love myself, I wouldn't let that person talk to me that way. Or if I love myself, I would defend myself. I would protect myself. I would ask for a raise. I would have a strong yes and a strong no. Because I love myself, I live in line with my values. I live at the pace of my embodiment. And when that internal self-worth is fully grounded, I might go big, take it out into the culture. Because I love myself and all women, I would insist that insurance cover women's health and sexuality in the same measure that it does male health and sexuality. I would perhaps insist that education included that girls learned about their bodies and their cycles before puberty across the board. If I love myself, I might go a step further. Say I love myself and I thought of this body that I was given as perfect, healthy nature, as part of the planet, that I was a seed that grew into me like any flower or tree, and that that seed knew what it was to become. And if I trusted that and saw everyone else as nature too, as the planet, I might really find a new kind of reverence awakening toward this magical existence and how we are all related. That would be a big shift that was generated out of self-love and seeing yourself as part of everything, completely worthy and whole. So I'm assuming you're listening to this because you want to be more in tune with your inner being and with your body. You want to feel sensual or sexy or fulfilled. And if you're not feeling this way presently in your life, I want you to think about the time you give to yourself. I'll be like your big sister. There's only one you. And when you carve 15 minutes extra out of the day, which is all you really need to start, just for loving your being, you will be surprised at how much you get back and how much you can give back, how much more you are replenished by receiving. There is a transformative power in rituals and daily care. 
uh, I talk a lot about moving from the habitual to ritual is the spark of attention, paying attention and doing it consciously. And as you devote time to and commit to and make your self-care a priority, it shows up in better relationships. You're more present with the ones you love. You get more out of your work experiences, connect better with nature and all of things. So before I get too abstract and make all these promises, I'd like to share today my own morning and evening rituals and then talk about why ritual works to bring more joy and more peace and more power and maybe leave you with some thought-provoking ideas about inviting ritual into your own life. But as a precursor, I do want us to go through a few questions and then see if there's any lingering negative story that needs to be changed or examined before we get into ritual design or daily self-care design. Because I think a lot of us are starting behind a curve with a lot of internalized messages about our worth, our bodies, sexual and body shame, and that we have some unlearning to do. So I have maybe a half a dozen questions here for you. Here's the first one. What beliefs did you inherit about your body? Many of us inherited a belief that it was only worthy when it looked a certain way or could do certain things. If that's the case, then you change the belief to my body is worthy all the time. What beliefs did you inherit about your body? Okay, the second question is, who does your body belong to? If you were told when you were little and maybe even into adolescence to eat this way, to sit that way, to dress this way, that your yes and your no were to be deferred to other people's desires, then the new story is, my body belongs to me. I choose for me. Who does your body belong to? All right, question three. What messages have I internalized about pleasure and enjoyment? For many of us, pleasure came after work. Dessert came after dinner. The new message is, my work is my pleasure. I enjoy my life. I take my turns at the pace of enjoyment. The next inquiry, number four, is, what is the inner voice and language that I use to talk to myself? If this is a critical voice, if you're always fault-finding with your own being, then the movement that you gradually make is toward wonder. Instead of finding fault, find what's good. Support and undergird yourself. Talk to yourself like you're learning something new, like you're a precious little baby, like you're a precious being, and see how that shifts. The fifth inquiry is around what level of attention and awareness can I bring to the things that I'm involved in? If I'm not feeling as much or noticing as much, now the new story is I'm a perfect example of feeling and noticing. The new story is I notice the details of things and I feel things in my body and I cultivate my attention and awareness. And the last inquiry for this section is really one that's more about uh, what do you know about your female anatomy? What do you know about your intimate anatomy? For many of us, the story was it's taboo. They didn't tell us much of anything. I know for a fact that more than three-quarters of college-educated women in at least one survey couldn't point to their vagina on a diagram correctly. Uh, much less name their vulva or their heart's line or their Bartolin's glands or many other parts of their body. 
It's not our fault, but it is on each of us as our responsibility to do remedial education about how our cycles and intimate parts work. So if, if the old story was, I don't really know, the new story is, I have learned and named and understand and celebrate my beautiful body. So what is the difference between habit and ritual? It is awareness and presence. It is a surrendering and a devotional quality and a paying attention quality. Creating ritual in modern life is a radical act. Reverence, we like to say, around our place is a worldview. And when you turn that view onto your own embodiment and really care for yourself and know what you're doing to yourself and bring awareness to it, everything shifts. So I'm going to break down my own daily self-care rituals, which I've been lucky enough to learn through a lot of study and cultivated practices. There's science to back up all of these habits and why they work. And I hope that some of them are useful for you. Uh, I'll start with morning rituals. What do you do before the world gets your attention? What do you do mentally, spiritually, and physically before the world is given your attention? You know, do you wake up in the morning and put your hand on your heart and put your hand on your belly and say, ah, another day. I'm alive another day, alive to see another sun. Do you grab a journal and write out your dreams, capture your dreams? Do you have some special time with your lover? For me, I try to start the day with something magical or beautiful. Get up, I light a candle in the morning, I do my gratitude. Uh, because I have a particular cultivated practice in mantra and meditation, I do that. You know, I chant Aum and I chant some mantra and I do a little reading and I sit in silence. And maybe at the end of that, I might set some intentions for the day. The next thing I do is a little bit of body care, warm lemon water, supplements, sometimes a great cup of coffee. I'm trying to go easy on that because it's not so great on the nervous system. Lately, I've been loving this brand Saqqara, and they make a like a metabolism powder. If you put that in the steamer with some almond milk, it's like having hot chocolate, but not really, and a really nourishing mushroom base. And then I still haven't picked up my phone, Okay. Now I go outside and move. I, I have a puppy, so it's easy right now. Why this outside part matters is because reconnecting and feeling myself as nature, fresh air, clean air uh, is important. It's not just about getting on the Peloton, although if you have that and you're doing that, that's amazing for your general health. It's great. And it's better than not doing any movement. But something about just being outside, even for, 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 for a few minutes, is, is important. If I'm on island at our farm, I do yoga or dance or kung fu in the open air. And here on the East Coast, it's a walk in the woods maybe. Now, shower. I do the morning ritual with the lymph brushing, the hot shower. Let me break this down. What I'm trying to do with the morning bathing ritual is not a long time consuming process. What I'm trying to do is really get blood flow pumping, get the surface of the skin to be in kind of a pulsation. So I want to have hot and cold. I want to have some tactile. So I shake for a few minutes. I do, um, and shaking is literally like shaking your hands and shaking, jumping your whole, shaking all the parts of your body and getting blood going in your body. And then I take the lymph brush. We have one at Rosebud Woman, the perfect skin brush, and I brush lightly along the surface of the skin toward the lymph nodes, um, starting at the wrist to the underarms, the feet to the groin, 
uh, the round the belly, around on the elbows, around the wrists, neck down the back of the neck into the lymph nodes in the neck. That only takes a couple of minutes, but it's very impactful in moving lymph and lymphatic system is what helps detox us on a daily basis. And then I do a hot shower. I do a cold rinse. As long as you can stand it, uh, cold water helps with inflammation. It also creates that pulsation between hot and cold that brings blood flow to the surface and helps with circulation. If you really want to get some tricks for staying in the cold water longer, if you're cold averse like I used to be, you I really love the Wim Hof breathing techniques. Um, it helps you like really stay with the cold and feel it, and it builds that builds hormonal strength. There's all kinds of amazing side benefits for standing in the cold. Uh, then after I get out, I do anoint oil. I do the body oiling from head to toe and do that with an affirmation. So now I'm ready to face the day. I grab a green juice, I make a celery juice, and then I get on email and Instagram. And I really try, not before, because that little bit of digital detox in every day, in every morning, in every evening is so, so vital for the nervous system and for us coming back into our center. So I'll just review it quickly again. I do dream capture, I light a candle and do my gratitudes and do my mantras, I do a lemon water or a steam, I go outside and move, I do my morning bathing, I make a juice, and then I do my emails. That can be an hour, that can be an hour and a half. If I have to squish it down, I can do it in 30 minutes, although it's not nearly as much fun. And if I really get an open space or if I get up much earlier, like 5.30 or 6, if I'm really up and moving, I might even get a full hour or 90-minute yoga practice in the morning. And that's like a, a phenomenal day. Okay, throughout the day, I have little rituals also. Like I do that thing that they, you know, every women's magazine everywhere tells you to do. Make a pitcher of water in the morning and leave it at your workplace or leave it at your desk and make sure you're hydrating throughout the day. I set a timer to get up and do little dance breaks. That's super fun. But the idea is not to get stagnant. We sit so much in modern life that getting out and doing little walks during the day, getting up and doing spirals in the hips and in the belly and letting the head roll. I mean, all of that stuff is amazing to keep your attention that you do live in a body. You're not just a mind, a head that's getting carried around, but you're part of a body and you're devoted to caring for it all day long. Food is part of that, but this is not a foodie podcast. I have plenty of ideas on that. I refer you to the Hippocrates Institute uh, in South Florida for information on sprouts and lettuce and whole foods and raw foods and what that does for you, but I trust that you're a good researcher. Okay, so now it's evening. And in the evening, I kind of go in reverse. I close the day um, by digital detox at the end of the day. I shut down the devices, which by the way, is so, so important if you have children at home. Children, the first thing that, that gets engaged in a moment of danger, the thing that's required for connection between human beings is eye contact. I've been studying a lot of polyvagal theory by Stephen Porges, and he talks about how the ventral vagal system, this sort of part of the nervous system when that goes off when something alarming happens, the first thing a child will do, or an adult for that matter, is look up and try to make eye contact with others to see if they're safe. And if the eye contact is made and they have reassurance, they calm down immediately, the nervous system stands down. But if they can't make eye contact, the nervous system stays elevated. 
So for your children and for your spouse and for anyone you care about, the eye contact is so important. Even if you're paying attention with your ears, we have to be looking at each other. And that can't happen when we're nose down in our devices. Eye contact is needed for co-regulation. So I want you to take the evening and be with your people. True presence. Talk to someone with your complete attention. Do something non-digital. Read aloud to one another. My partner and I love to do that. Write a letter. Draw something. The important part of this in the evening is it's something not abstract. It's touching real things. Cooking food. Making art. Playing ball. Anything that is being with your people and touching reality. Material reality. Do a dance party, undulate, shake, move, something with your family. When my kids were at home and little, that was the best part of the evening. Dance party, woo! Well, second to naked time, but they weren't a part of that. And then uh, we're going to turn it all off. Everybody else is out of the picture, except if you've got a lover or someone, a partner that sleeps with you. And I want you to do your self-massage when you get into bed. Take your honor balm if you're a customer of mine or other kind of oil and do massage into your hip points, into your pelvic bowl, outer labia, inner labia, leave it on the clitoris and, and let it sit overnight. Masturbate if you want or don't. Have your partner do it or don't. Take some time for dropping in and loving yourself or being loving with a partner. So many marriages, so many partnerships degrade into like, ugh, I'm done, lights out you know, and the intimacy of that connection isn't made. And so I put that as a priority. All right. Does that all sound like it's too much? It could be 15 minutes again. What my friend Tim said is that, you know, that sounds too good to be true. Like, what do you have? The perfect family, the perfect lover, the perfect labia. Let's get real. You're not going to be able to do this every night. I'm, I'm trying to do a Tim voice, but it's not really coming out that way. You don't sound like that, Tim, if you're listening. But I really think if you stick with it, and you pick out, you, you do this digital detox in the morning and the evening, and you create things that are repeated every day, they really strengthen your understanding and the container of how you hold your embodiment. You're going to feel amazing. Um, and of course, do something that works for you. Add little components that are meaningful for you from your traditions. I'm a yogi. I do all the stuff that is indiophilic, and it might sound a little eccentric to other people, but Everyone has something that they are able to call in that's bigger than themselves into their morning and evening rituals. All right. I want to talk now about creating a home altar as a touch point to ritual. I know I didn't grow up with a home altar. Um, I remember visiting some extended relatives and they might have had a shrine to Mary or something like that in their house with a couple of candles burning, but I never really understood what it was about. And then I went to India and I saw how every business and every home had in-home altars with statues and flowers and candles and things like that. And I returned into the community, the yoga community in the U.S., and I noticed how many of my friends and, and me started having little altars like that where it was photographs of our teachers, photographs of loved ones, flowers, deities, Mary, Jesus, Durga, you know, crystals that represented the earth, things that were meaningful for us. So I have created in every home that I've had a personal altar in the bedroom and a family altar in the entryway and sometimes even a nano altar in the kitchen. 
as a touch point to ritual and visual reminders to me, you know, that there's bigger things at work than my little embodiment. So you can put a lot of things on it. Um, you can weave in the senses. Like I love to have something that smells good, something that's visually appealing, uh, something that has texture. You can weave in the elements like water. I always have a little bowl of water with some petals floating in it, uh, rocks, minerals, crystals, things like that. Something that like candle is the fire element. Feathers remind you of the air. So you can make a really beautiful setting. And then in the family altar, you can invite the kids to put things that they found objects or pine cones or you know, shells or pictures of people they care about or things that they're worried about. And it becomes this sort of focal point of gathering. And of course, fresh flowers, which is goes without saying. There's a lot more to rituals. Um, I would say that when you've when your self-care ritual is your game is good and you're feeling fantastic about your daily intimate self-care, maybe you've got your little altar kicking, you might think about adding more ritual and more acknowledgement that your body is not just a body going through the motions, but that you live on a planet that travels around the sun and rotates on its axis, and you are subject to the same forces as the ocean and the tides, and do some honoring of ritual around your life in cycles, monthly rituals, whether it's around the actual full moon or around your own moon time. Uh, I love the beginning and the ending of the month as time to check in with my annual goals and my intentions and see how I did and look forward for the next month and align them again. You might do seasonal rituals. My son, Connor, just this last weekend was the spring equinox, and he asked all of us to gather around the fire and to write down on one side of the page what we were leaving behind in winter and what we were inviting in for spring, what seeds we were planting, and then we went around the circle and everyone in this shared what they were about and what was coming up for them. And then we ripped it into tiny little pieces and blessed it and threw it in the fire and burned it. And it's not just marking the fact that everything's equanimous on that day of the year in equal balance. It was also this primal tribal feeling of sitting around the fire like we've done for thousands of years that somehow our bones know that pausing at this moment to acknowledge that we're in balance and that there's something that the greater environment is shifting again is so powerful, so powerful. The sun is coming back out in the Northern Hemisphere. The days will from here out get longer and we acknowledge that moment together. And you know, you might think about milestone rituals that go beyond weddings and funerals. Like I don't know many people who will publicly acknowledge things like a miscarriage or the loss of a marriage or a relationship in a ceremonial or ritual way. But when they do, when it's made public and it's named, it's such a powerful release. Or even rituals around coming of age in the West have been in decline. So coming of age, for example, that's a very big milestone in the development of a child. And you have the double intention with a coming of age ritual of saying, I am separate from you, so identity formation as a young person, and I take ownership over my own life to a large degree, and that that's acknowledged uh, by the community. So in the absence of a formal 
coming of age ritual or maybe a chrondom ritual like you know menopause has happened and you're entering into a new stage of life and you could create something to acknowledge that in the absence of a culturally acknowledged one we can create more magic and enchantment in acknowledging those things and it adds more meaning to our lives because we need enchantment and we need magic this reverence of listening to our bodies coming into self-love and self-care Loving our bodies as deserving of reverence because they are nature and there's nothing to prove, that's a huge step. So my challenge to you is, for the next seven days, can you add a 15-minute pause, whether it's in the evening or in the morning, I'll leave that up to you, for true self-care. It could be as simple as setting up that home altar, putting a pillow in a corner somewhere, and then just taking time for yourself. Or it could be a walk out in nature where nothing else is allowed to interrupt you, just you and the birds and your breath and your thoughts. Or one of the other things that I talked about. 15 minutes is powerful. It's especially powerful when you string it together. It takes about 40 days for any ritual or habit to really take root. But if you string seven days together, that's a really good beginning. So I believe that a little bit more self-love on the superficial seeming things will lead to a lot deeper self-love in your life and then ripple out to the world. So let's do it. By the way, in this episode's show notes, I've included the links to a few of the things I talked about. Some of the stuff I use daily, like my own products, the body brush, the balm, the candles, but you can find those and many more things from other beautiful providers uh, at rosewoman.com. Until next time, be soft, be strong, be sexy. Just be you and enjoy every moment that you can in this one precious life.